Hello and welcome to a bonus episode of Cinematic Universe, the podcast that's all about comic book movies which you can find at cinematicuniverse.com. I'm your host Joe Cunningham and joining me to talk about San Diego Comic-Con 2017 is... James Hunt. Yeah, so it's just just me and you today, James. No, Seb. Seb's busy moving house. (laughs) Um, So instead, we've got to try and dissect this mountain of Comic-Con news just between the two of us. I'm sure um, we'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, I mean, say thankfully, thankfully Fox mostly stayed away. They didn't take X-Men or Deadpool or New Mutants or anything like that, which is a shame if you were looking forward to seeing some more stuff about those films. But we got lots from DC, from Marvel, uh, some little tidbits from Fox, and then there was uh, lots of TV stuff in there as well. I think I think maybe next year will be a big Fox year because all the stuff has barely sort of started this year, has it? Yeah, I think they'll have the Gambit panel next year. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, this um, this is our kind of bonus episode that's coming in between the Spider-Man Homecoming and the Amazing Spider-Man 2 episodes. Um, I was lucky last year we followed up our San Diego Comic-Con bonus episode with um, Spider-Man 2. Um, so... From the sublime to the ridiculous, James. <laughs> it's a noble tradition. Yeah, um, we'll we'll have to. Follow, I don't know what we're going to follow up San Diego Comic Con with next year. <laughs> Sp- we, can we save Spider Man three that long? Ooh, I wouldn't want to. It's going to be tough to resist for a full year. Um, okay, but should we should we dive straight into the to the Comic Con happenings and uh, dissect all of the stuff that happened? Yes, we can try. Yeah, let's 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 try. And I think the best place to start would be the the DC Extended Universe. Um, <laughs> I'm still not on board with that name, you know. No, because what's it extended from? Exactly. It, well, I mean, they, and it sounds like it might be extending even further in the next couple of years after some <laughs> of the conflicting reports coming out, coming out of Comic Con. Um, let's start off with the news that broke the night before the Warner Brothers panel. Um, so Warner Brothers, as well as their DC stuff, did the. They had the Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Was it? Was that them? And they had um, the uh, oft discussed. Uh, previously, did we discuss it on the podcast before the um, Ready Player One, which uh, Seb hates <laughs> sight unseen. <laughs> um, I don't. I, I, I fear he might not be wrong after seeing that trailer. But um, after all of that, Warner Brothers brought out um, their Justice League. They brought out Aquaman. They had some Justice League footage. They had uh, all of well, they had all of the, what, the Justice League cast that they're willing to confirm at the moment. <laughs> yeah, but they Warner- had they had the the six chief members of the Justice League. Yeah, um, and, and not I think, the one who is dead. No, because as as. Um, as Aquaman shouted at a child in the audience, Superman is dead. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll get back to Superman because the news that broke the night before was a Hollywood Reporter piece saying that Warner Brothers were considering and in fact very likely to be moving on from Ben Affleck in the role of Batman bef- um, before the solo Batman movie so that Justice League would in fact be his last appearance as Bruce Wayne. Um, it seemed fairly like certain from what they were saying that look like this is this is a rumor but also like a lot of a lot of sites picked it up and said yeah Ben Affleck's done Ben Affleck then comes out 
during the Comic-Con panel and says, look, I'm Batman. It's the coolest thing in the world. Don't believe what you read, etc., etc." Um And a lot of websites then went, no, oh, it was nothing. Ben Affleck's still Batman. Even, even the BBC site reported it as, like, Ben Affleck denies Batman rumour. And it was like, if you listen to what I said, the one thing he didn't do was deny it. There was there was nothing approaching a denial in there. there was yeah. there. It was just like being Batman's awesome. Why would I step away from Batman? Well, either because you're sick of it, um, because you're not writing and directing the next movie, or because <laughs> or because Warner Brothers want to move on. And it seems very strange because the the stuff in the Hollywood Reporter article was saying that that Matt Reeves has a trilogy planned and that. Um, Ben Affleck's in his late 40s, and that by the time that they got through any kind of trilogy, he'd been in his mid-50s, um, and <laughs> made some line kind of mocking his dad bod, saying, like, and he's no Tom Cruise, he's not exactly treated his body like a temple. Um, and I kind of buy into that. I couldn't see Ben Affleck playing Batman in 10 years' time, you know, in the way know. that Robert, mean... Robert Downey Jr. has been. <laughs> I was going to say, like, just imagine trying to squeeze a sort of classic Batman story out of an old Batman, like just can't be done i just it feels like that there wasn't a huge amount of long-term planning with the ben affleck batman character in the first place if you remember i think it was maybe four or five years now about at, back at comic-con where they announced batman v superman and it was like the rumor at the time was that literally it had been decided in a warner brothers boardroom the week before and they'd gone yeah you, we need something to announce at comic-con uh batman v superman and so they kind of went down the the Dark Knight Returns route there and cast an older Batman who had had all his adventures in the past behind mm-hmm. him. I I wonder whether the, the middle ground for this is that you carry on with Ben Affleck in the role present day, but you cast a younger actor to play a younger Batman and maybe have some period set films in Gotham City for Matt Reeves' trilogy. Yeah, I mean, they've got the implica- in the implication of a Robin being killed by the Joker, haven't they? That they yes. could presumably make happen in some films. Like, mm. this this Batman feels like all the cool stuff has happened and we missed it. Yes. And that now it's this new age of heroes and that he's kind of like the granddaddy kind of... Yeah. Um. And are you on the same page as me that I was kind of like, when I read that Hollywood Reporter article, I was like, that's interesting, but there is, there's, it doesn't seem as certain as some sites are reporting. And then when Ben Affleck said what he said, I was like, oh, this sounds like it's very much still up in the air. Like, if, if he's not confirming or denying, it sounds like, it sounds like it's at least a conversation that's going in yeah. on within Warner Brothers that maybe they need to move on from Affleck. That is exactly where I was in, in that I was like, well, it seems seems like a strange choice. And then if he didn't deny it, what that means is he probably doesn't know and that's because they're still talking to Warner about it. So, Yeah. And then I think an interesting thing that almost feeds into this theory as well. So... Um, Warner Bro- uh, DC had lots of uh, promo art. They had. We'll talk about the Justice League trailer in a second. But there was promo <laughs> art. There was um, footage shown from Aquaman that hasn't been released online. Um, but there was also like in their kind of intro to the panel, they flashed up like all of the upcoming movies. And Green Lantern was prominently featured on the on the like uh, promotional art at Comic Con. Uh, Jason Momoa even tweeted out a picture that had. Green Lantern on it. Like, nothing was confirmed or announced about Green Lantern, but a lot of people think that Army Hammer is going to be playing a Green Lantern in a future movie. And there are even people that think that that Justice League trailer might have a Green Lantern in it somewhere. 
Um, I'm not sure about that, but I think Green Lantern is coming. And then the other thing they announced was that the Flash movie has been renamed Flashpoint, which suggests to me that it's been rebuilt completely from the ground up, that (laughs) everything they have so far has been thrown out. But if they're planning a Flashpoint in the DC universe, that suggests some dabbling with multiverses. It suggests potentially a DCEU reset where some characters can be disappeared, some new ones can be ushered in. We could go to a new universe where, say, I don't know, Gal Gadot (laughs) exists, and it's a bunch of new characters playing, (laughs) of new actors playing different characters. Maybe Batman's a bit different, yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, aside from the fact that it seems, uh, whether they've pushed flashback considerably, considerably, it seems very early in this universe to get to a flashpoint story yeah but then it was never that well built in the first place was it like no they they sort of threw the dc eu together and like it doesn't make a whole lot of sense like they could quite easily be saying like let's pull it back a bit maybe go back in time get the start of these characters like do a bit more with those Put I mean, them together what, in different ways instead of just having everyone old in, in the past already. I mean, uh, DC have shown themselves to be very reactionary, given how <laughs> how good the reception was to a Wonder Woman origin story. Maybe they're, consi- maybe they're reconsidering just throwing in these heroes midway through that. Like, because we're going to be meeting... It sounds like Flash is going to be a very fresh Flash in... Justice League mm-hmm. um, and potentially Cyborg too, but we're going to be meeting them properly for the first time in a in a movie that's not their movie. Um, even Aquaman, we're getting uh, we're getting Aquaman after Justice League, but then Aquaman is apparently going to be an origin story. It's going to be similar to Wonder Woman. We've met him, and then let's go back and do the origin. Um, and may, maybe that's something they want to explore a bit. For, I'm, I'm not sure we need to see Batman's origin per se, but I. It it does seem like they're in a little bit of a pickle with this character and what to do with him. Um, yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, there's no there's no reason they couldn't do a Flashpoint movie that was entirely self-contained and didn't reset the universe. Like, it yeah. could it could be resolved within one film, but also you don't use the word Flashpoint unless you want to bring up the idea of taking the universe apart and putting it back together slightly differently because that Mm. is the story of flashpoint and you wonder how like central or how much focus the character of barry allen could get in a flashpoint movie given how much (laughs) plot how much plot they would have to get through so uh, as ever i think the dc universe uh, there are there are occasionally projects that get thrown up and sound exciting that i'm like oh yeah i kind of like I still, I'm still looking forward to Joss Whedon's Batgirl movie. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be looking forward to conceptually this Gotham City Sirens movie if David Ayer wasn't directing. <laughs> um, they didn't they confirm Captain Marvel as well for next year. Yeah, so that um, they or well, Shazam called, rather. Yeah. It, yes, it is called Shazam. Um, I mean, that corner of the world could, I, I think, could sound interesting to me, but. Um, you know, again, it would depend on it would depend on who's in the role, what's it, what 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 they're actually planning. <laughs> but at the moment, it seems like DC, despite having a shared universe, don't quite have me hooked into their universe. Or I don't think have they obviously have legions of fans online who are hooked into it. 
but I don't think on a on a mainstream level like Marvel, it certainly doesn't feel like the Marvel thing that oh, if I don't watch this movie, I, am I going to miss a piece of the puzzle? Am I going to? Is it like skip, skipping a chapter in a book? Is it like missing an episode of a TV show? I feel like even if you're re- if if you're not massively into like I don't know Captain America, you're probably at least going to catch up with the Cap- last Captain America film on mm-hmm. on Netflix or on DVD before you watch the next Avengers film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it- I mean, in, like in fairness to Warner, it does sort of seem like they're concentrating more on making the individual films work than making it a shared universe that you know strings together impeccably, which is fair enough. Like if that's their goal. I don't know if they can necessarily sell it in the same way as having, like, a Kevin Feige figure no. like, masterminding it all. Because, like, it's pretty clear that they don't have that. And whether they want it or not is debatable, but right now, that's not what they've got. No, and right now what it's throwing up is, I would say, one of the worst movies of last year in Suicide Squad and one, <laughs> of, the best, one of the best movies of this year in Wonder Woman. So... Yeah. It's going to be erratic, but, uh, you know, hey, if they get more Wonder Womans than Suicide Squads, I think we'll be in a good position. <laughs> Having said that, let's finally get to the Justice League trailer, James. Um, is this a Suicide Squad or is it a Wonder Woman? <laughs> uh, it's going to be halfway between the two, maybe. Yeah. I quite like the look of it. Yeah, Seb, Seb wrote it up for the website, um, cinematicmultiverse.com. Give it a read. Cinematicuniverse.com. Um, oh, shit. Yeah, cinematicuniverse.com. Give it a read. Um, and uh, yeah, Seb, Seb really liked it. Um, there was, he, was, he was specifically talking about how big it looks, and that was what a lot of people said online about it as well. I mean, it was a four-minute-long trailer. Uh, I think I was overwhelmed by how CG it looked. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. not much in that trailer felt tangible to me. <laughs> Um, especially cyborg yeah cyborg still they still haven't uh, if that's i'm I'm willing to again give them the benefit of the doubt that that's not finished but cyborg doesn't look good i don't like there's that line in the trailer where alfred says sorry who is this (laughs) when it's cyborg and i i thought it was kind of knowing but also like it was too close to the bone because like yeah (laughs) who is this like why why is this guy here he looks crap like (laughs) i don't i don't understand his purpose here um yeah i mean steppenwolf we got our first look at steppenwolf the villain um kind of but like it kind of showed him coming and showed him fighting various characters but never really properly like showed his face or anything like that. And I get the sense that the movie they're trying to sell is like the first Avengers movie. This is about these heroes coming together. It's not so much about who they're fighting. It almost doesn't matter. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I think, I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? Cause like every time a Zack Snyder film releases a trailer, you watch it and go, Oh, that looks quite cool. And then it's like two and a half hours of, like eardrum bursting, sense shattering nonsense. <laughs> so the idea that there's going to be any tangible story in this is maybe giving it a lot of credit that it doesn't necessarily warrant. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go through a couple of the things that that um, Seb mentioned on the on the uh, 
website post, he talked about the exploding exploding wind up penguins line being a nice gag, and I think that's that's something that I'm still sold on. The Jeremy Irons Alfred seems like he, he's doing the same thing constantly. It's slightly sardonic Alfred, just cracking wise here <laughs> and there, um, and I like him a lot. I tell you, I'm not convinced by though, James. Uh, J.K. Simmons, Commissioner Gordon, doesn't hasn't popped for me the way I thought it would with the actor in the role. No, there was nothing that particularly stood out about him. The, the problem is, like, we've just had such a good version of the character in the Christopher Nolan films that it's kind of hard to be like, oh, and there's J. Jonah Jameson playing the wrong character. Yeah. Um, Seb was mentioning about some of the costumes, uh, well, saying that oh, Ezra Miller might steal the film despite his costume being terrible. Um, and if Ezra Miller doesn't steal the film, Jason Momoa might. Um, I, mean, I really it, like it Ezra Miller. Of, it is kind I of like, odd to be watching a Justice League trailer and going like, oh, I'm really excited for Aquaman, but I am really excited for Aquaman. Do you know what? I'm I'm going to accept that I might I might just have a bit of a like a blind spot, but I I don't get it. Um, I've yet to like Aquaman in these trailers. Um, I found Jason Momoa like headache inducing in the footage of that comic-con panel um <laughs> i think banging, for me banging his trident around and stuff and i just like I, I should say that panel as a whole was very odd because you've got gal gadot kind of like being a very good like show person for the movie kind of like keeping it slightly classy but getting fans excited <laughs> then you've got these excited school children in momoa and miller and ray fisher who just like it seems like someone's given them a tube of Smarties before they went on the stage and they're just like tripping balls on the E numbers. Um, and then, Smarties make me naughty. Yeah, and then there is Ben Affleck kind of going, yeah, I'm definitely in on this fun, you guys. I'm just, I'm having just as much fun as these three. Shut up, please shut up. Just, can we finish this and go? And I've got to say, I do feel sorry for Ben Affleck because like he, he's like... All of this speculation about his about his role in the DCEU, having to be out there promoting this movie. This is a guy whose marriage ended last year and has been in rehab within the last six months. Yeah. Like I, I, I felt bad for him out on the stage, and I should I should point out all of this speculation about his future in the DCEU. I don't think is beating up on Ben Affleck. I think it's just genuine speculation. Like, are they going to move on from him? does it make sense to move on from him? And I mean, cause I mean, we've all enjoyed Affleck in the role so far. Yeah, I think. he was good. In fact, yeah. I would go so far as to say he's probably my favorite Bruce Wayne to date. Uh, I don't know if I can go that far, but I, I've, I, I kind of like, I kind of, in a movie, I re- very much disliked uh, Batman v Superman. I liked him. Um, but right. So James, tell me what, what is it about Aquaman that people are liking? <laughs> what, what am I missing? For me, it's just that there appears to be no line between, uh, Aquaman and Jason Momoa. Like in well, the same yes. way, Robert Downey Jr. has just become Tony Stark, like in his day to day life. Like, I think yeah. that authenticity of character is what works for people because like, you know, he's not, you know, Obviously, he is playing a character, but also he's just playing himself, and that's endearing. Yeah, I've got to say, we're not going to get to it later on the podcast because there wasn't really any news that came out of the panel. But The Tick was presenting at um, Comic-Con in the first half of that season, going to be debuting on uh, Amazon next month. And 
Griffin Newman said that basically he was just playing himself as Arthur, essentially. It was like, <laughs> there's a very there's a very thin line between him and that character. And I would like to hope that Peter Serafinowicz is just like the, the tick in real life as well. <laughs> um, but I thought I should mention that because that's one of the things that was at Comic-Con that I'm most excited about. Um, yeah, I need we- to watch that really. Uh, the, I mean, the pilot's still on Amazon Prime, and I've watched it two or three times. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's weird, because um, I've read a lot of tick comics, and I've watched the cartoon, and but I just never got around to this. Yeah. Uh, well, I even, I even re-watched the old sitcom uh, <laughs> earlier in the year as well, which, uh, yeah, great fun. Um, so, any, any other takeaways from the Justice League trailer? Do, do they, they, As I said before, they name-dropped... The Green Lantern, Steppenwolf said, no Kryptonian, no lanterns. Um, that's Superman. It's got to be Superman at the end of the trailer, right? It's not yeah. a Green Lantern. It's Superman. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of odd that they're spending so much time pretending that Superman isn't in this film. Because it's like a lot of trailers just blow the big reveals to get you to see the film. Like the Civil War trailer being like, Spider-Man. Where, and like... Yeah. They're like they're going to such lengths to pretend there's no Superman in this film, <laughs> except for the like, what? Well, was it an uh, interview uh, they gave or something? It's except for everything, James. A year ago at San Diego Comic Con <laughs> 2016, they released a promo image for Justice League with one of the characters being Henry, Henry Cavill Superman. He was in the promo image. When Jeff Johns and Kevin Smith did that Road to Justice League trailer show thing on the CW last year that debuted like some Suicide Squad footage and was talking about Justice League, the promo art for that show had Superman in it, like the DCEU Superman. And even on the stage at San Diego Comic-Con this week... <laughs> You've got Jason Momoa saying Superman's dead, and then Gal Gadot says, put it like this, if you're a Superman fan, you're going to be happy with Justice League. It's like, what? Figure out the party line. Either you're building anticipation, trying to pretend he's not there, or he's there. Well, and then then we got a bunch of messages about how they've had to get Henry Cavill in for reshoots and digitally erase his moustache. Oh, which is my favourite movie news of the decade. I did... the most expensive moustache in movie history, Henry Cavill. <laughs> well, I like, I like Seb's point. Like, he may not have been the first to make it. He was the first I saw saying that it just continues a noble tradition of painting over Cesar Romero's moustache in back. Yeah, yeah someone, one, of, one of our listeners tweeted that to us as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if anyone hasn't heard this, Henry Cavill is shooting Mission Impossible because, um, because of the extensive Justice League reshoots. They're having to kind of fly in the Justice League cast members kind of like whenever fits into their schedule. Um, it's fine with Jason Momoa because he's been filming Aquaman, but Ezra Miller has been very difficult because he's off filming the sequel to Fantastic Beasts. They, they're able to work around that though because Fantastic Beasts is a Warner Brothers film. The problem is that Mission Impossible is not a Warner Brothers film and I think it's Universal who make the Warner Brothers uh, the Mission Impossible movies they won't let Henry Cavill shave off his moustache because they're still filming Mission Impossible <laughs> and he needs his moustache. So an they're saying part of whichever character he's playing. Well, I think he is playing a fairly major role in the film and I I don't blame Universal saying... it might I don't know, it might be... Whoever it is, I don't blame them saying, no, we're not going to go with a bloody 
bit of makeup after we've got him in the proper moustache for the entire film <laughs> because you need him for extensive reshoots. So Henry Cavill is having to go between the two sets and shoot scenes on Justice League for his reshoots with Joss Whedon. <laughs> I hope... Where he has a full-ass moustache and it is a big old moustache. It's a great moustache. And the, like, the budget is going to be... It's going to be in the hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, to digitally remove Henry Cavill's moustache for Justice League. I hope what we actually get is a lot of Superman talking with his, like, hand in front of his face. Captain America in the shawarma um, <laughs> place. Yeah, exactly. That's, um, last point on the Justice League trailer before we move on to Marvel. Um, there is a hologram that Ben Affleck's looking at in the movie. It's supposed to be Superman, I think, but the, the weird kind of design of it really makes it look like Supergirl. There's no chance it's Supergirl, right? Nah, we're not that lucky. No, we'll, we'll have to stick to talking about Supergirl when we get to our CWTV section. Okay, uh, but that's that was all our Justice League DC stuff, and there was a lot to talk about, so that was that was fun. Um, the Marvel Cinematic Universe now, and I think the best way to work through this is to work through it the kind of the way it was revealed at the panel. <laughs> um, so the panel started off with a video, kind of like the Thor and Daryl skit from last year that I just really want them to release online, um, of. Uh, Michael Peña and Paul Rudd recounting the entirety of the MCU and they were talking about like this guy who used to be uh, like before he was Captain America and they showed a picture of him and it was Chris Evans as the human torch <laughs> which I think plays into the fan theory that we uh, we published on our website recently um, but uh, so kind of lots of like a really jokey retelling of the MCU and then uh, the camera pans around and you find out that they're telling this story to Michelle Pfeiffer, because Michelle Pfeiffer has been cast <laughs> as Janet Van Dyne in Ant-Man and the Wasp. I love that casting, James. What about you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the only person I can think who would have been a better choice is Julia Roberts. Um, well, why? Because Julia Roberts and Michael Douglas. Yeah, also, I was trying to think if Michelle Pfeiffer and Michael Douglas had ever appeared in a film together, and I think it was... Uh, the only stuff I could bring up online was, like, that she nearly she nearly starred in Basic Instincts, maybe, and... Um, but I don't think they've actually appeared in a film together, and they like, it seems like they should have done, doesn't it? Well, this feels like it can fill that gap in the canon, then. Yeah, um, so we now... It, Apparently, some of the footage they showed has confirmed that, like, uh, Michael Douglas suiting up as an Ant-Man as well. So, <laughs> it sounds like this film could just as easily be called Ant-Men and the Wasps, given that we, we're going to have <laughs> we're going to have two Ant-Men suiting up at the very least. Evangeline Lilly's going to be suiting up, and you learn, you've got to imagine that Michelle Pfeiffer is still in her uh, suit from when she last disappeared. So, mm-hmm. Ant-Men and the Wasps. Um, so, I really like that casting. Um the other casting I like just as much. Um, Lawrence Fishburne has joined in the role of uh, Goliath or Black Goliath. That's Bill interesting. Bill Foster. That's interesting it is, because it? he's crossed the crossed the universal divide. Yeah, uh, it, which is happening with increasing frequency now. Well, I mean, there um, are there are only so many actors to go around all these movies, so it's going to happen <laughs> a lot more. I think they could find more, but yeah. So Lawrence Lawrence Fishburne coming in from from playing his Perry White role in DC over to. Uh, Bill Foster as Goliath. But Goliath's another guy who grows big, right? Yeah. James? Mm-hmm. Um, he died in Civil War when I read Civil War yeah. just last week. He got the Clone Thor's lightning straight through his chest. Yeah. Um, I, is it a cool character? 
not really, but I'm excited <laughs> to see him because any sort of vaguely obscure Marvel hero getting on screen is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and age-wise, it seems like he would make sense as like a some kind of protege of uh, of uh, Michael Douglas at some point from the past. Yeah, sure. You know, if he's if he's got similar technology, and I presume he's on the hero side rather than the villain side, right? I mean, he, traditionally, he has been a hero. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whether that will be the case in the movie, I can't say. But yeah. So let's talk about the people who we we are assuming are villains. Uh, Walton Goggins. I love Walton Goggins, James. <laughs> love him. I don't uh, believe I know him. Uh, so he's best known for uh, The Shield and Justified, I think, on TV. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah um, he's uh, he's all kinds of great in those shows, and he's one of those people. I think the movies have never quite figured out what to do with him because he's like unconventional looking, really great character actor. Um, but he's going to be playing the head, or the character he's been announced as playing anyway, is the head of Cross Industries in the comics. So, like, the guy who Yellow Jacket presumably has links to Yellow Jacket from the first film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, can carry on some villainy there. And then Hannah John Kamen, who'd been previously announced as being part of the cast, um, an actress who's best known for an episode of Black Mirror, um, she's going to be playing a character called Ghost, who is apparently originally an um, Iron an Iron Man villain. What can you tell me about her, James? Uh, okay, the Ghost is originally male, and I uh-huh. did know I did know that the Ghost was going to be the villain. I didn't know she was playing him. Yeah, yeah. she is. <laughs> uh, so, um, what, so what does the what does the Ghost do? The Ghost is essentially a sort of technologically powered corporate espionage character. Um. A good place to look for ghost stories is in the Warren Ellis run of Thunderbolts. Um, I mean, basically, the character sort of steals technology from big companies, so obviously... Makes a lot of sense then, yeah. Obvious fit in this film. Uh, Again, any chance chance she could be, like, anti-hero rather than just villain, or...? uh, Not really, because the, like, essentially corporate terrorist is what you're looking at there. Right, um, okay. But the like the power set is basically like hacking and the ability to phase through walls and stuff. Right, okay. Um and Warren Ellis did this quite fun thing where the ghost was kind of sealed inside his I I think it's Warren Ellis. I might be wrong because it's been a few years since I read those comics, but um did this quite fun thing where the character was kind of sealed inside their sort of ghost suit and uh, a kind of Howard Hughes germaphobe. Right. Okay. Uh, it's quite fun stuff with the character, but I'm a I'm a big Ghost fan from the comics Excellent. that I've read, so I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Um. And uh, like I, I said this on the minisode, I can't wait for what Peyton Reed does with Ant Man and the Wasp, owning the film from word go. Um. <laughs> yeah. He. Yeah. I think what he managed to achieve coming in last minute on Ant Man was fantastic um it sounds like Luis the Michael Peña character is going to be getting a bump up in terms of his involvement in the sequel um because again that was something that apparently his fast talking like montage descriptions of stuff was something that he added rather than Edgar Wright so you've got to wonder what Louis whether Luis was anything of a character before he uh before Peyton Reed came in so he's going to be getting a bigger role in the sequel as well um and yeah and Evangeline Lilly's going to be she's co-headlining so yeah, I can't. I can't wait for that movie. That's that's one of the. I say this the 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 Marvel films. 
I'm just in the bag for, aren't I? I keep getting excited about them. <laughs> like, I'm not guaranteed to like them after I see them, but I'm guaranteed to be excited for them going in. Yeah, I think kind of Ant-Man as well. Like, people have sort of forgotten how good it was, maybe. Like I it- think it was because it took people by surprise, so all of the praise was kind of qualified. It was like, oh, it's better than you could possibly hope for it to have been. Yeah. And I, I, I haven't rewatched it, I don't think, since it came out, but I'm currently... As you know, working my way through the Marvel Cinematic Universe, it's so difficult now. Every time I watch a film, I'm looking in the corner going, is that a date? No, I don't need to know, I don't need to know what the date is in this movie. <laughs> Just in the MCU. <sighs> no dates in the Avengers, James. It, oh. <laughs> Killing me. Killing me. I mean, you can watch Daredevil and get the date off the paper, presumably. I'm not counting TV as canon. Not until <laughs> Kevin Feige does. Until Kevin Feige con- considers it canon, I will not. Okay. <laughs> Hashtag it's all connected. Yeah, except when it isn't. Um, I'm like, <laughs> well, we're going to get to some more of that in a bit as well. Um, next up at the Marvel panel was the Thor Ragnarok part. Um, they had lots of fun and games on the stage. Um, Taika Waititi, if you haven't seen the cast photo with them all hanging off Taika Waititi in his kind of like Hawaiian style jumpsuit it's an absolute joy you should track it down um uh, Taika Waititi has uh, confirmed that Korg is going to be playing a bigger role in the movie that he originally imagined and that he motion he's motion capture performed Korg in the, in the film as well um <laughs> which uh, given his comedic chops great um apparently there's a scene in the uh, that was played in the footage at Comic-Con with like Korg chatting to, to Thor and Thor saying well how did you get here he's like well I tried to Try to organise this uprising, but like loads of people said they would come, but I forgot to hand out the flyers, and so like no one turned up, and so it was just me. <laughs> and it, it that that sounds like something that th- this this looks like a movie that the comedic stuff is more than we've seen, even in Marvel's most comedic films, and yet at the same time the plot looks epic. Like I, I I'm watching this trailer and going. I am in love with the tone that you are showing to me to me here. The imagery looks incredible. The prog rock stuff in this trailer was dialed up to eleven. Mm-hmm. Chris Evans, oh Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth looks like he's doing like just a flat out comedy performance. Like it, it's on a par with his Ghostbusters stuff. Well, it's a bit like someone finally noticed, like, oh yeah, Chris Hemsworth has great comic timing. Let's use that. Well, they've the thing is, he was allowed to be funny in the first Thor movie mm-hmm. when he when he first comes down to Earth and then it gets a bit grim. So there's like there's like a stretch in the middle act where they allow him to be funny. The Avengers kind of uses him for the funny asides, but doesn't actually doesn't actually like make him be the guy generating the jokes. Mm-hmm. Um Age of Ultron did him wrong. There's no doubt about that. And yep. I can't remember the for the Dark World. So. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you whether he's funny in that or not. Um, but this looks like, I mean, f- from word go, just like the d- the delivery of the lines. The, is... <laughs> the thing that had me cracking up was the the talk between him and Bruce Banner. Yes. Where he's like, no, I won easily. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's, it's so great. I've got to say, of, of every piece of footage or trailer or anything I've watched, this Thor Ragnarok trailer absolutely blew me away. I mean, um, as well, as a massive Hulk nerd, as you all know I am, 
the idea that they're getting a version of the character who is actually in any way articulate is very exciting to me because that is one thing we've not seen on in any like film version of the character. Yeah, so apparently what what the setup is that since Hulk left, left Earth, it's been two years, and Bruce Banner basically turned into Hulk up there, and Hulk liked it, and Banner was like, yeah, fine. Stay that way. And so, yeah, so he's spent two years as Hulk, so he now has the, like, the vocabulary of a two-year-old. <laughs> that's, that's the idea here. Um, some of the other kind of, like, nerdy details from the movie, um, Grandmaster, the Jeff Bolt Golden character is actually going to be playing the brother of the collector um so yeah those those kind of celestially kind yeah, of characters we talk, are the, actually the elders of the universe i think yeah they're called we've talked about that before but here they're going to be like specifically brothers um the the gladiatorial arena that they're in is called the contest of champions so that's a nice <laughs> little nerdy reference nerdy reference and uh, Surtur, is it that big... Surtur, that big, the yes. fire demon at the end of the trailer, yes. Yes, uh, voiced by Clancy Brown, uh, who was... Uh, <laughs> voiced. Think, yeah, most most recently in our... Uh, for, for our podcast purposes, was uh, was in Daredevil Season 2. Um, but he's got he's got history with all of these kind of nerdy properties. Lo- <laughs> love me some Clancy Brown, so glad he's showing up here. Um, I would not ex- else would- well, I would not expect a lot of voice from that character, to be honest. No, it might be similar to Dormammu, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, yeah, anything else about this trailer other than all of it looks great? Uh, there's a team being assembled of Thor, Hulk, Valkyrie, and... Um, Loki. Loki. Um, oh God, I just like, That's what I mean. All of the plot details in this film have me like hooked like ooh what's going to happen Hela looks fantastic Kate Blanchett's the voice the voice was new mm-hmm. like some kind of half i mean half Aussie half East End cockney stuff <laughs> like it's uh, I, yeah i i'm just um i'm in love with everything that this film is showing me and, and apparently i didn't know this until it was reported here but the planet is Sakar so it is yes yeah it's d- definitively Sakar yeah, yeah so planet hulk obviously getting folded into this in quite a major way. Mm. Yeah, and we, and we knew, like, I, I'm not sure if you've seen him in the trailer, but Meek um, is going to be in the film. Mm-hmm. And there was there was some, there's an article online, um, something like there's there's a big kind of totem pole as they fly into uh, Sakaar with, like, past champions on it. And two of them look like uh, Man-Thing and Beta Ray Bill. So <laughs> potential references there, potential for them even to show up. I would imagine this would be perfect for a lot of Marvel's kind of intergalactic characters who they don't have specific plans for, just to be like around in the background or shown fighting in the arena, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah. Cannot wait for that film. Um, next, uh Captain Marvel. Uh, Captain Marvel might have even come before the Thor Ragnarok trailer. I can't remember. Uh, no footage yet for Captain Marvel because they've not even started filming yet. And Joe Russo confirmed that she will not be in Infinity War Part 1. Uh, or Infinity War. She, she'll be in Avengers 4, but not Infinity War. And obviously her solo movie comes out in between those two. I mean, um, I can sort of forgive that. But at the same time, I would have preferred to see her as soon as possible. It feels like a missed opportunity. Well, they're talking her up as kind of the most powerful hero in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, and I do wonder whether maybe that will be... Whether they're saying she's not in Infinity War, but it might be like 
cameo at the end, like after, because the way that Infinity War has to go, it has to go into like a defeat for the Avengers. Yeah. But, but not, not a kind of insurmountable defeat. So maybe Thanos gathers the Infinity Gems. He manages to gather them by the end of the movie and defeat the Avengers and they look down and out. And so if you want a kind of a light at the end of the tunnel, the most powerful earthbound hero showing up and saying, Hey, this isn't over yet. I do. I sort of wonder if maybe, if maybe infinity war will end with them sort of repelling Thanos from earth, but in a way that leaves him with the infinity gems and the rest of the universe to conquer or whatever. Yeah. And and, And moving um, the action away from earth for the fourth film. Potentially, and maybe, you know, I, I think we'd all expect some casualties from our major heroes sure. yeah, I mean, during that as well. War Machine's days are numbered. <laughs> He's on the poster with his suit and everything. Yeah, sad as I uh, am to say that as the world's biggest Don Cheadle War Machine fan. Hmm. But so it is going to be interesting how Captain Marvel uh, works into things, um, especially given the details they, they dropped about the movie. So the movie is not going to be set in the present day. It's going to be set in the early 1990s. Um, now they ha- <laughs> Kurt Cobain's they- going to be hanging around. <laughs> well, they haven't... They- so they-, they haven't cast Brie Larson to show up for one film and then be recast by an older actress. Brie Larson is Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. So it's, some- it's going to have to be some Steve Rogers kind of shindiggery that gets her from... Um, I-, I would say what is going to happen is she'll get her powers leave Earth in the final reel of that film and then she'll come back and she'll just be as young as she was because she's that powerful. She doesn't age anymore or something. That's that's what I mean, though. It yeah. has to be some kind of, like, tomfoolery to get us from point A to point B. Um, yeah, she's not going to fall intro- through a time hole or anything. No, no, but I, it could be, you know, like, yeah, I imagine space makes the most sense. Um, or the other, the other thing that's part of this film, the villains are going to be the scrolls and Kevin Feige has specifically said that something they haven't looked that they haven't explored yet in the MCU that they want to is the Kree scroll uh, war. So James um, explain to me and the listeners who the scrolls are, um, what the Kree scroll war was and why this is so interesting because <laughs> keep it scrolls- simple. Shall I? <laughs> try and try and uh, try and uh, narrow it down as best you can. But I know that scrolls are a, uh, the kind of one of the intergalactic villains that Marvel fans have been clamoring for for a long time, and it was kind of almost assumed that the first Avengers, when there was an alien invasion, that it would be the Skrulls, and it ended up being the Chitauri. Yeah, who are the ultimate Skrulls? Just to further confuse things. Yes. So yeah, yeah. It, it, so fill me in. Uh, what the Kree and the Skrulls are sort of warring intergalactic races. Um, they're both kind of expansionist. Uh, and like all evil alien races, they have constant fights with the Avengers and stuff. Mm. Uh, the what the scrolls have this ability to shapeshift and take on the physical characteristics of other, you know, characters. Um, so there was the, the famous story: Secret Invasion was a big crossover about ten years ago, wasn't it? Yep, where there are a lot of uh, scrolls hiding in the Marvel universe and impersonating heroes for many years in certain cases. Yeah. Um, Interesting. Yeah, Interesting, I would, I would not be entirely unsurprised if following Captain Marvel, it was revealed that someone in the Marvel Universe was a Skrull all along. Yep. 
I'm not sure. <laughs> Again, War Machine might be an interesting pick for that, given that he already changed his face. <laughs> oh, that <Yeah>. fan theory <laughs> article is getting updated. <laughs> um, I'm just trying to think if there are any like major differences between the Kree and the Skrulls that is worth talking about. I mean, it sounds like, to me, the shapeshiftery thing seems the most interesting. Um, from an out, outside perspective, a lot of people, um, and I was wondering at the time, everyone had assumed that Fox owned the rights to the scrolls. Um, and James Gunn has come out on Twitter and said that Marvel and Fox always shared the rights to the scrolls. It was It's just that Fox uh, uh, um, owns the right to certain specific scrolls. Yeah, I mean, that, uh, that in itself is probably enough to keep them away, to have kept Marvel away from the scrolls. Because yeah. they can say, like, why, why would we want to promote our competitors' characters? But at the same time, they've probably got to 2017 and gone, well, there's not going to be a Fantastic Four film for a few years. Let's use them now. Hmm. Um, so they're going to be battling Captain Marvel. Um, and also Nick Fury is going to be part of that film with two eyes. So it's going to be... Presumably, they've said Samuel L. Jackson, so presumably that weird, freaky, de-aging CGI will be used for more than just one scene this time, for <laughs> well, an entire film. Or they're going to do the thing that I've been hoping they would do at some point and establish that Ultimate Nick, or the Marvel Cinematic Universe Nick Fury, has taken the Infinity Formula, which prevents him from aging. And okay. he's always just been Samuel L. Jackson's current age for the last 20, 30 years. Right. Well, he's going to have two eyes in this film, to, to be sure. Yeah, the so, Infinity uh, Formula doesn't stop you getting your eye gouged out. <laughs> no, that was a separate point. Um, I assume I, I would be stunned if we do not see him lose his eye during the course of this film. To <laughs> it's be the origin you. you've all been waiting for. Yeah, or maybe that's how we can tell that we've been watching Skrull Nick Fury all along, <laughs> is that Nick Fury has two eyes. Yeah, and Skrull, Nick Fury an interesting only has one. point here actually is that in Captain Marvel's uh, comic book origin, she is uh, sort of derived from the Kree, like her powers come from the Kree. Yeah. So I wonder if they're going to change that to Skrulls for this film, or if the idea will be she's a Kree weapon to fight Skrulls. Potentially, they've said that they want to change her origin slightly because they don't want it to be so directly like the Green Lantern's well, origin. Again, and the problem with that is the the comic origin is very heavily tied to the original Captain Marvel character, who I imagine they don't want to use at all. Mm. In yeah. just in the sense of like, let's have a superhero who isn't a female superhero who isn't male derived. Yes, in a very literal sense. Yeah, and I, I think um, Kevin Feige mentioned something at Comic-Con about how, like, he was delighted when Wonder Woman did as well as it did because, like, it went, it it told him, like, oh, right, okay, fantastic. Uh, we don't need to worry at all about Captain Marvel. Someone's done it already. You know, he was say, saying, like, you couldn't be more delighted about it. Um, <laughs> I, I can imagine... I can imagine that that's true as well in the sense that if you do want to bring in this female character as the most powerful character in your universe, potentially as a save a saviour, you know, figure coming into Avengers 4 and going, right, come on, fuckers. <laughs> like, let's, <laughs> let's, let's actually take the fight to Thanos this time. Um, like, I just, I, I imagine leaning on some of the comparisons, leaning on some of the associations that audiences have with Wonder Woman, that they've already gone like... 
yes, wow, badass, most powerful person in the universe, yep, mm-hmm. um, that Marvel have less heavy lifting to do because of what DC have achieved there. Um, and I'm so, I, I can't wait to, to see Brie Larson doing this. Um, nope, me neither. Piece, piece of genius casting from word go. And uh, yeah, Fleck and Bowden directing. And uh, yeah, it really does seem like after these these first kind of few films, Civil War aside in the phase three of the MCU, feel kind of like self-contained. All of this stuff that's coming up with Thor Ragnarok, Infinity War... Captain Marvel, Infinity War Part 2, whatever it ends up being called, it feels like it is all building to this big crescendo, but that they've still got time to tell these side stories that have nothing to do with it. Or, in the way of Thor Ragnarok, have the way to tell a story (laughs) that's probably going to be very closely tied to all of the Infinity War stuff, but just have a hoot at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We we probably don't need to talk too much about the Infinity War footage that was shown at Comic-Con, because... It was released a week earlier at D23. I ran through what was in that footage on the last mini-sode. Um, the poster's new, I guess. That's that's the that's the definite new thing. And you can kind of see Blonde Black Widow on there and BD Steve Rogers. Uh, you can also see the least intimidating sketch of Thanos that you're ever likely to come across. I mean, I, I kind of take issue with you here. It's but, crap, James. Yeah, it's so but crap. Well, your point is, Thanos is, does not look, uh, like, threatening, yeah? I think it, I think he... he. It's not just that he looks threat. He doesn't look threatening. He doesn't look good. He looks... Like, the fact that people are going... Are like, putting up the Joss Whedon and the <laughs> Bruce Willis and the, and the bloody Super Mario Brothers uh, yeah, okay, yeah. thing as comparisons to him. It... It just looks like a bit of a joke, and like if you are not fully invested, like we are, and you go, "That's the guy this has all been building to." I mean, because he looks, he looks more badass than that. In his, he's never looked more badass than that first appearance where he turned round and looked into the camera with a grin. Mm-hmm. He looks okay in Guardians of the Galaxy. He looks okay at the end of Age of Ultron. Um, I don't understand why they took his hat away. No, me neither. Like in yeah. in the comics, it's actually kind of a big deal the first time you see him without all his like battle armor on, right? Because like he it signifies that he sort of retired from being a warlord. Oh, well, then maybe that's what he's done here. Yeah, <laughs> well, quite. He's had he's had second thoughts and he's uh, he's buggering <laughs> off now. Fight amongst yourselves again. <laughs> I mean, like I say, the like I don't think Thanos as a character should be inherently threatening because like one of his. One of his charms is that he is kind of genial and down to earth, but also just like completely mad yeah. and like in love with death in a very literal way. Um, and sort of that's what makes him threatening is like the understated sort of grandeur of it. There was not understated grandeur, in but that yeah, poster. like the you know thumb with Bruce Willis's face, yeah, fair, and it's just fair got- comparison. And it's just got this kind of goofy little grin on his face as well that doesn't look like malevolent. It looks like, oh, might have eggs for breakfast. <laughs> you know, like it's just. Well, I, my like, my favourite part of Thanos is the time he gets defeated and trapped in the Soul Gem, where there is a nice little garden that he can live in a cottage and tend. Oh well, that's nice. Yeah, he becomes a like farmer. Star, Star Trek Generations, he yeah, almost. Yeah. yeah okay. Um, I I I just think. 
it's obviously not ideal for Marvel in that, like, the film is just finishing up production. Like, it, the tra- the footage that they've shown, they've said it's not ready to release publicly yet. But they showed it last week, they showed the same footage this week, and for their biggest film, I just think that right now it's not a great look to have this slightly dodgy poster um, of all these characters just kind of slapdash in different points. It doesn't really seem like they're in any significant significant groupings. It feels like some of them, like, again, Hawkeye has just been, can we fit a tiny Hawkeye in there? Sure, yeah, fine. And the fact that it kind of, like, it made its way out as these tiny, as these, like, dodgy, uh, like, imager posts and Instagram posts of, like, the three separate posters, and then eventually Marvel released it online. Um, I don't think it's the best luck for this film right now, and I think the sooner they can get that first trailer out, which at this point I'm thinking Star Wars at Christmas might be when they attach it. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know if they've got anything huge, unless unless it comes before Thor Ragnarok, potentially. It wouldn't surprise um, me if it was the tag for Thor Ragnarok, maybe. Some Yeah, I, something in Thor Ragnarok, you would assume, would be Avengers-y. Yeah. Uh, rather, rather, if they are going to tease another film, because it, it, it's unlikely to be Black Panther. Um, was it Captain America that had the Avengers trailer as its post-credits scene? Uh, it had the, the punching, the it had the, the scene from the Avengers yeah, where he's punching okay, yeah. the the sandbag and then goes into the trailer yeah um i don't think it'll be a full-on trailer again but i'd imagine like maybe a scene or a tease of thanos or something like that after after thor ragnarok um we'll have to wait and see black panther was the other film that was part of this panel they kind of showed little bits of new footage it didn't sound like even the footage had anything like massively plotty in there it was a couple of like big action sequences that were teased in the trailer anyway um I think we're all looking. I think we're both looking forward to that film, yeah, James. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the first trailer was great, but that will be so. That's going to be the first film next year before Infinity yeah, War, Fe- isn't it? February so, is Black Panther, isn't it? February. Yeah, yeah. And they're saying that uh, Bucky isn't in it, but he will be with Black Panther when Wakanda is attacked in Infinity War. That, I find that absolutely bizarre because they rounded off that character's arc so nicely, and Sebastian Stan is so nothingy. Why are they bringing him back? Leave him in. Him. Leave him in the freezer. Kill him in the in the, the first Avengers. Maybe he's a scroll. Oh, would would it make any sense? He was around in 1991, I guess. Yeah. Tell you who else was around in 1991? Peggy Carter. So what <laughs> actually happened was Peggy Carter was replaced by a scroll. The scroll died last year, and real Peggy Carter's going to come back and give Steve Rogers a gold old slap for having a smooch with a niece. That, that is a great theory, except for the fact that if you kill a scroll when it's shapeshifted, it turns back into a scroll. Uh, did we see the moment of her death? I don't think we did. Yeah, presumably someone did. <laughs> Sharon, also a scroll. Um, I should also mention this: there's a theory going around. Apparently, at this Marvel panel, they were talking about how like um, the Infinity Gems can fix all things, and it went through like the different ones. And it was like time, and then showed a shot of Steve and Peggy, and like there was some implication that maybe there there would be ways of bringing characters back. Oh, uh, please, yeah. please bring Peggy Carter and Edwin Jarvis. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Into the <laughs> modern Marvel Universe. Actually, you know what? I, I just, I, it's just no. Uh, no. I, like, I love Peggy. I just, it feels wrong. That that the arc, the the kind of the catharsis and the 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 way that they dealt with that character throughout the years felt right. I don't need to see her <laughs> brought back to life. Marvel have brought enough characters back to life. Let's make more of them dead than than resurrected. We don't want to go turning into Game of Thrones now. <laughs> ah. Um okay, uh, we'll move on to the stuff that uh well Fox, as I said, didn't have a panel for all of their superhero stuff, but we got some superhero details dropped. Um, I'll go with the the biggest one first. Uh, Channing Tatum says they're still working on Gambit, James. Right, of course they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're still working on the Gambit movie. I mean, it, it at least it at least suggests that Channing Tatum's contract hasn't expired or anything. He's still attached. So if they do make it, it's still <laughs> a Channing. It's Tatum not the film. word "attached" that swings to mind. It's more shackled. <laughs> I'm. I'll be honest. Gambit is one that I'm slowly getting closer to you on. <laughs> uh, I was so hopeful for so long that it actually was going to happen. I remember. I just, I remember they'd, be idi- you, they'd be idiots to waste bloody Channing Tatum. <laughs> I remember you putting like a doc together or something, and you were like, "Yeah, and we'll be doing the Gambit episode then." I was like, "We're not going to be doing yeah. the Gambit episode then." That should have been nearly a year ago at this point. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, um, but okay, so the most interesting stuff from Fox was actually around um, the Fantastic Four, believe it or not, um, because the Fantastic Four, Four franchise <laughs> has po- died. Having poisoned the well. Yeah, it it feels like they can't do another Fantastic Four movie again anytime soon. Especially considering even Marvel can't get a Spider-Man movie to land. Like, that film was as good as it could have been, and it lost 60% of its audience in the second week, which is fucking disastrous. Yeah, so it's definitely definitely a step in the direction, right direction for Sony, but in terms of the the drop-off for Spider-Man Homecoming, it was far bigger than they would have hoped. Yeah, like, um, and it, and it and it puts it not spectacular. It's it's performing better than the Amazing Spider-Man movies, but not not a huge amount better. Yeah, and what basically what it means is you fatigue the audience on these characters with your bad films. So even mm. putting out a good film doesn't make a difference. Like maybe maybe the next Spider-Man film would do better because of Homecoming. Or because of Infinity War. Yeah. But at this, at this point. Yeah, the same the same problem applies to Fox, which is that if they make another Fantastic Four film, it's gonna do badly no matter how good it is. So, interestingly, no, like, official announcements or anything, but Noah Hawley was at the Legion panel and at the end said, oh, and this is Fox and I'm developing something with Fox. I'll just uh, leave you with two words. Doctor Doom. (laughs) So, Noah Hawley is working on a Doctor Doom movie. So, like, no official announcement, but we know Fox have dropped all of these unnamed Marvel movies. So, I think they're probably developing a whole bunch of stuff. And, to be honest... I am surprised, I know we got Suicide Squad, but I'm surprised that we haven't had a major superhero movie yet that has gone flat out like, look, this film's about the villain. Because we know Venom's coming, but we don't know definitively that Venom is the flat out villain version of that character. Mm -hmm. 
you can't do a Doctor Doom movie where he's the anti-hero. You have Doctor Doom is one of the definitive villains. If you're doing a Doctor Doom movie, it's almost what everyone was saying about the first season of Daredevil. Like, this is great, but it should have been called Kingpin. It should have been the <laughs> other way around. And it should have been interesting watching this one central compelling character kind of trying to swat away the like threats at his empire. And <laughs> What I would like to see, I'd like to see a Doctor Doom movie that was like framed as the biography that Doctor Doom had made of his own life. <laughs> and it's that all about him great. defeating like the annoying Fantastic Four to protect the kingdom of Latveria from all these threats. Hmm. But uh, do you not do you not think that I mean, yes, the water has been soured just as much as it, as it could have been, but I mean, Noah Hawley is an interesting guy. He's been doing some very interesting stuff on TV. A film centered on Doctor Doom it kind of makes sense as their best option at this point. And because they've not really done an actual proper Doctor Doom in the film so far, it feels like if you just lean fully into the traditional comics version of that character... Because I don't even remember, like, Fantastic Four wasn't sold on Doctor Doom and it didn't really feature a recognisable version of him. I think you could get. I think you could get away with this as a movie if you're Fox. I mean, there are, it, it's the it's their best chance, as far as I see it, of rebuilding this franchise. I mean, there are very few characters who are villains that could also carry a solo movie, and I think Magneto's one, and Doctor Doom is probably one. Um, yeah. The question in this would be, who is he going to fight if not the Fantastic Four? And what I sort of think is they could do a Doctor Doom movie which adapts the story where he. That they used in uh, Fantastic Four 2, in fact, where he, you know, fights Galactus and steals the Silver Surfer's power to do it. Mm. Like, that, I think that would give you the spine of a decent film if you if you took that story. Yeah, I, I'd be surprised, though, if they didn't have some Fantastic Four connection in it, because I think it would be Fox going, how do we reintroduce the Fantastic Four? Without doing a Fantastic Four movie, yeah, sure. Uh, like, and I, th- I think they've, I think they've probably realised X Men is not the way. <laughs> well, again, like we've seen before, like they they floated that idea and it kind of went away. And the rumour was that they didn't actually, they haven't got the sort of rights necessary to do that kind of crossover between mm. the properties. So they can't make their own Marvel Cinematic Universe out of. Fantastic Four and X-Men because they're not allowed to mix and match properties. Sounds like it anyway, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Like I said, no official announcement, just Noah Hawley saying that he was working on it. Um, but buried in the bottom of the Hollywood Reporter's article reporting on what Noah Hawley had said was news that uh, Seth Graham Smith was working on a Franklin Richards spin-off movie. Um now, there was some suggestion that this would be like kind of almost like an all-ages film, so maybe even animated, but it would be Franklin and Valeria Richards and potentially the Human Torch and the thing. Um, and Seth Graham Smith's obviously the guy who was going to direct uh, The Flash, despite never <laughs> having directed a film before, um, and that now this is one of the things he's working on. Um, that hadn't been public domain before, so and it, and given how it was kind of casually dropped at the end of an article, it sounds like a thing that like, yeah, they're looking at it. It's, it's it's a thing, but it's interesting, isn't it? Again, just like 
here's another angle on the Fantastic Four without doing the Fantastic Four. Yeah, I mean, there was a bunch of comics a few years ago that were called, like, Dale Franklin Richards or something, and it was a kind of Calvin and Hobbes-type sort of childhood adventure. Sounds great. Yeah, like, just set in the Marvel Universe. And, like, that, you know, I can see that as not only just animated film. Yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah, and especially with Sony having their animated Spider-Man film coming, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't be surprised to see the other studios kind of, like, keeping a close eye on that and seeing whether there's the potential for them to do it as well. Yeah. Um, The final thoughts, because uh, obviously Noah Hawley was talking about uh, Legion, he uh, spoke a bit about uh, Professor X and their hopes to use him in the show. Uh, he said that they'd very much like to use Professor X at some point, but there's there's no doubt that like Legion isn't going to be crossing over with the movies. It's in its own universe, and oh, they finally they, admitted that then. Yes, uh, but they would like so they'd like to use a Professor X, whether that would be a cameo from McAvoy or uh, Patrick Stewart or just another actor playing that role. They said that it's kind of something that they have to think about because David's dad is so you know such a big part of that character. But they they don't know how it would ever happen if it does. So <laughs> I mean, my position on Legion is very uh, clear in that they've jettisoned so much of the character in basically every conceivable way. I don't see why they're worrying so much about bringing Professor X into it at all. Like well, it's, they reference it's, they do reference him at the end of the first season. Yeah, but it's barely a universe like they you know, they dug that grave for themselves. Like, they could have just done that without any mention of Professor X and left it hanging, because... Yeah, so I think it's like that. I think what they're saying is, like, we don't know whether it could happen. We'd like to if we can. Um, And, and I, I'll be honest, I don't think the show needs him. It, it'd just be pretty cool if uh, if it did happen. <laughs> um, They've also confirmed uh, Saeed Tagmawi, who was in uh, Wonder Woman most recently, has been cast as the Shadow King for season two. Okay. Um... So presumably, um, the Shadow King had kind of, uh, spoilers for Legion Season 1, had kind of found his way into Jermaine Clement's character by the end of the season. And so Aubrey Plaza and Jermaine Clement were like driving off in a car uh, into the sunset uh, at the end of that season. So whether it means that Saeed Tagmawi is going to be hanging out with the two of them um, and that there's going to be almost like these these multiple versions of the Shadow King hanging around. I hope that's the case, and I hope he's not replacing one or both of those, because Aubrey Plaza was one of the best things about Season 1, and when Jermaine Clement turned up was just um, a, a, a singular presence in that, in that show. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, that's Legion Season 2. Um, and then... Uh, Fox, one thing that they did bring to Comic-Con was the latest trailer for Kingsman, The Golden Circle. Um, so we covered Kingsman uh, 1 on the podcast belatedly. We think we're going to we think we're gonna cover this sequel as and when it comes out, right, James? It seems like something that makes... Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to be a huge amount of help because I've not seen Kingsman or read the comics. <laughs> but did you watch this trailer? Did I you, saw, did I've you... seen the trailer a couple of times. Um, I've seen all the trailers a couple of times because they keep showing them in the cinemas. Right. Um, <laughs> I'm just I am baffled by them both, to be honest. <laughs> well, I, I, I'll quickly say then that um, it's clear that Matthew Vaughan has brought the same style here. Um, I like the idea of this, the American alternative to the Kingsman being the Statesman. <laughs> And and that the take on that is kind of like 
a Yankee Doodle, Jeff Bridges, Channing Tatum, Pedro Pascal group of secret agents rather than like your traditional kind of CIA Felix Leiter type of type of uh, <laughs> they do, American they agent. They do feel like the spiritual children of Tom Sawyer from the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yeah, yes. Um, so yeah, I, I kind of, I like that idea. And I think if you go back and listen to our first Kingsman episode, I think there's a lot of stuff there visually, stylistically, a lot of ideas that Matthew Vaughn has that you kind of, you want to be better realised and you want there to be more of a, like a coherent ideological through line in that movie that it, that just doesn't hang together properly enough when, when you get to the end of it. Um, that, that you're not going to figure out whether the sequel is going to be any better with that or any better judged with kind of some of its like uh, tongue in cheek or like questionable sense of humour. Um, but the, the style is certainly still there and the characters look cool. It's got Julianne Moore and Halle Berry and mentioned Jeff Bridges. Like I, I'm, I'm certainly intrigued by this and if they can, if they can pull together a, a film that has the style of the first one, that's a little bit more coherent um then yeah that will be interesting um sounds like james is uh 50 50 if not 25 75 to appear on that episode <laughs> <laughs> you fancy a week off in uh in mid-october james. yeah i mean i wouldn't <laughs> whenever that film i wouldn't comes look out. forward to me giving my opinion of kingsman too i'll say that much <laughs> can we though look forward to you giving your opinion on spawn because we are no. getting a new Spawn movie. <laughs> are we? We are. So, um, but are again, we? I've... No, uh, yes, we are, because Bloomhouse are involved, and Bloomhouse know how to get shit done. So, Jason Bloom, who's the... He kind of, you know, this this kind of, like, <laughs> From god Riverdale. in the world of... Uh, no. <laughs> Bloom is this kind of, like, god in horror films of late. Like, he he's kind of launched... A bunch of franchises of and horror movies that get made for very little money and end up returning a lot of money, end up um, kind of really uh, getting plaudits, uh, a lot of the time anyway, not all the time, but getting plaudits from critics. I mean, Get Out was a Bloomhouse movie. I was about movie. to say was Get Out Bloomhouse, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think uh, it's definitely the Sinister franchise was... Mm-hmm. Um, He's basically very good, and because the, because he's able to keep the, the budgets low, he's able to give his directors a lot of artistic freedom. Um, and <laughs> therein lies the problem if Todd McFarlane is directing. Well, potentially, yeah. Um, Insidious is another one of their franchises. Um, Hush, that was on Netflix. Uh, the Purge, uh, Ouija, uh, Belko Experiment was one of their films earlier yeah, I've this seen year. Belko Experiment, is it? Yeah, um, Paranormal Activity, certainly the the more recent. Oh, no, in fact, Paranormal Activity was what launched the whole thing. So yeah, you can see that they've they've done stuff for not an awful lot of money that has made a lot of money. Their budgets tend to be like five to ten million at the high end, um, and, and normally are a lot under that. So Jason Bloom is producing, and uh, Todd McFarlane is going to be writing and directing the movie himself. So. James, again, explains to our audience, Todd McFarlane, he's the image guy, right? He created Image and Spawn was kind of his baby that yeah, he's been writing so for decades. Todd McFarlane was one of the sort of big Marvel artists of the late 80s, early 90s who split away from the company to form Image. 
Um, there are a bunch of them, like Rob Liefeld was another, Eric Larson, Jim Valentino, Jim Lee. Uh, mm. Probably forgetting someone. I must be forgetting someone, but yeah anyway the, but, but those McFarlane's guys like the big cheese isn't he like yeah he like he created spawn which went on to become sort of one of the top selling books throughout the 90s like in the in the comics industry like when i started reading comics in sort of 94 like there was a magazine called wizard which used to print the top 100 comics and basically mm. every month it would go and can x-men x-men spawn and like it was right. literally it was the biggest creator-owned book. To the point that they made a Spawn movie in 1997 starring <laughs> uh, Michael Jai White as Spawn. Yeah. And, um, John Leguizamo uh, you, as the clown. Yeah, uh, Martin Sheen was in there. Uh, just, I'm looking at the IMDb page. Uh, I've never watched it, but it's it's on our <laughs> list. We are gonna, we're going to have to cover it soon. I keep saying we need to do one of Spawn or Steel, uh, but convincing Seven James to watch one of those movies. <laughs> That's uh, the... <laughs> that's because we've seen those movies yes i know and i haven't yet <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah so this time and mcfarlane as well like he's famously like um entrepreneurial in almost everything he does because he created the the toy line as well didn't he yep. and has like made his fortune with the mcfarlane action figures as well yep and then he spent um, it all on baseballs and lost it all and court cases with neil gaiman Right, okay. Um, but yeah, so he's going to be writing and directing this film himself. And that's I, I, like that's why, James, I'm convinced that this one is happening. Because it's Bloomhouse, because Tom McF- Todd McFarlane will be able to sell this, you know, on his name. Um, I, I, I think it's it's absolutely happening and it'll be it'll be at. A probably a modest success when it does turn out when it does come out despite whether it's any good or not it would be interesting if they go more along the horror route like mm. if they go if they do that with a franchise instead of making it a superhero film that would probably be a better fit for it um mcfarlane said that spawn is almost going to be like the secondary character in the film that there's going to be a cop who's hunting him down who's almost like the main the main character. I mean, that's in, so that's interesting because I'd have sort of expected a Spawn origin. Because, like, the... You know, the character's story is he's a... You know, he's a good cop who gets murdered and makes a deal with Satan to come back to... Or the devil, you know. A version of the devil to come back to Earth and sort of clear up his business. Um, yeah. And, you know, he his... He's looking out for the sort of dirty cop who had him framed and killed or whatever. And like that, as a story, that's got legs. Um, yeah. Having him as a sort of antagonist, like what? Is he going to be a vigilante that the police are hunting? Like, I'm not not entirely you, sure or, how they do that. Maybe, I think it sounded like that it wasn't going to be like a, a massive imbalance. It was that like McFarlane said it wouldn't, it maybe like slightly weighted in the favour of the... Of the cop okay. rather than Spawn. So maybe it's that you're way in through the cop and you kind of meet Spawn midway through. I don't know. Don't know. It'll be interesting. Could, it could be an absolute horror show, but uh, it means that <laughs> certainly before that, before that film comes out, we're going to have to cover the first one. So within the next two or three years, James, Cinematic Universe will be doing two Spawn episodes. I mean, part of, me, part of me wants to go back to that film because I haven't seen it in 20 years or whatever. Yeah, yeah but... Uh, excellent and then 
Our last piece of movie news. This didn't come out of Comic-Con, but I thought we had to mention it. Uh, that Bloodshot movie, The Valiant Hero, is happening, and Jared Leto is the frontrunner <laughs> for the role. Oh, good news. Yeah, uh, good news because it makes him less likely to return as the Joker, or... Jared Leto appeared as a hologram at Comic-Con to promote Blade Runner 2049. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I would say hologram Jared Leto is... I'd rather be in a room with hologram Jared Leto (laughs) than real Jared Leto, because the best he could do is then mail me a hologram rat. uh, (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Rather than a real one. I'm probably being unfair to Valiant Comics. Like, I'm sure they're perfectly serviceable. Quantum and Woody is a fun book. Uh, nothing about Bloodshot. Like, even the name, Bloodshot, sounds like a parody of bad 90s gritty heroes. I just, I don't... Their approach is going to have to be something like, okay, look, Marvel had the Guardians of the Galaxy, DC had the Suicide Squad, no one really knew who these characters were, so we we need to be very eye-catching with how we present this movie to audiences. Because otherwise it's going to look like one of those late 90s films like Steel or Spawn, and it's going to... It's, you know, it's going to disappear real fast. I kind of almost imagined that we were going to get, like, a... I don't know, like, someone of the Jason Statham kind of levels for this I character. Mean, for but... me, this just it looks like a D-list character with a D-list actor. Like, I don't... That's an, don't that's an Oscar-winning gonna... actor, James, who stars in all of the, like, one blockbuster of summer now. I liked him in Fight Club, where he got his face beat into a pulp. <laughs> the uh, the world has definitely turned against Jared Lee, so I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah. I, what did I, he win an Oscar for? Dallas Buyers Club. Okay. Yeah. Let's move on to the TV side of things. Um, so, uh, lots of CW stuff. We're not going to go into quite a level of depth here as we did with um, the movie stuff because mostly, most of these TV shows have kind of like filmed one episode and put a trailer out there <laughs> and are just kind of going like, if you remember like last year, we watched the Flash trailer with Flashpoint and it was like, oh, is Flashpoint going to be a big part of Flash season three? No, it's going to be over within two episodes. Um, <laughs> but like, that's all they film, so that's all they can show. Um but so on the CW next year, we'll start off with the new show, which is Black Lightning, uh, which weirdly has a trailer that kind of like shows all of like the art of the characters from the different DC shows going from the page to the screen. And then it does that with Black Lightning and then we get a bit of Black Light- Lightning footage, except they keep repeating that Black Lightning isn't in the same universe as all the rest of those characters even though his show is going to be on the CW now. So it felt like a very weird way to market it. He's in a different universe. He's not going to be crossing over until they want the ratings bump, and he is. <laughs> so why sell it like this? But I mean, the, tra- the trailer you know looks why. fine. It's because they want people to watch it. Yeah. It just, it just felt it felt odd to me. But, you know, it's going to be on that channel. Just make him in the same universe. Just don't have him interact with them. Just be like, yeah, he's in a city over there. We're, we don't really... We don't really hang out, um, <laughs> but yeah. So, so Black Racists. Lightning. Um, it's uh, the show's cast. James Remar as uh, a mentor to the character. Damon Gupton is playing a cop, and the villain is likely to be a character called Tobias Whale. Now, I'm sure if Seb was here, he could tell us a lot more about 
some of those characters or whatever, but um, Black Lightning, it's weird. There doesn't seem like there's an awful lot of buzz, and it doesn't seem like there's as much of a big deal about it as I would expect, given it's a black hero. But I wonder whether on TV, on American Network TV, we're just a lot more used to black leads, that this doesn't feel as revolutionary as it would if it was a film. I maybe I maybe think part of it is that Black Lightning as a character is not a particularly big deal either. Yeah, but were the Legends of Tomorrow? I'd like any of them. I like I honestly don't think I've ever read a comic with Black Lightning in. I'll be tuning so... in. I want I want to give it a go. And also, uh, James Remar is an actor. He's a twenty seven percent of as far as I'm concerned. I love it when he turns <laughs> up in anything. And just any any chance to remind me of the Warriors is. Uh, is good in my mind. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, Black Lightning, I'll definitely be checking that out when it debuts uh, later in the year. Uh, the Flash Season 4 we're on now. Uh, the trailer for that uh, for that show came out. Again, a lot of stuff in the first couple of episodes, kind of like, again, spoilers for the last season of all of these uh, CW shows, but like Barry Allen has gone into the Speed Force. He's not around. So there's just Kid Flash around. Is Barry Allen going to return? Yes, I think he probably is. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, someone who's not going to return, Tom Felton, who kind of became a, like a recurring character who looked like he was on the verge of being a, a regular for the next season. Uh, apparently he's not coming back whatsoever. So uh, Malfoy gone after one year, which is a shame because the performance was good. I just don't think they ever figured out how to use him. Uh, a piece of casting I love, Danny Trejo has been cast as Breacher, who is Gypsy's father. Now, I do wonder whether uh, the actress Jessica Camacho has been uh, signed on as a season regular for the show Taken uh, next year. Mm. So maybe she's not available for The Flash, so they're getting her dad in instead. Uh, which is a shame for Cisco because he was striking up a romance with her. But uh, Danny Trejo, yes, please. Cisco um, is never going to unleash the dragon at this rate. <laughs> um, and then we've got Neil Sanderlance has been cast as the Thinker, who apparently is going to be the fastest uh, mind alive, going up against the fastest man alive. Uh, and then Kim Engelbrecht is playing the mechanic. Uh, so they're all the characters. <laughs> what, the Jason Statham character? Uh, uh, no, the Burt Reynolds version, I think. <laughs> Great gag. We we really worked well together, James, <laughs> <laughs> for that really niche joke. Um, <laughs> we move on to Arrow, which I am way behind on, but I heard great things about the last season, and certainly heard great things about how they reintroduced Deathstroke. Um, were you up to date on any of this, James? I have not watched a single frame of most of these shows. Right, okay. Well, let me just tell you, Deathstroke was, when when he was on Arrow, it was Arrow's best season. He was great as kind of an ally to Oliver and then turned villain at the end and was kind of like the best ally and best villain that Arrow ever had. Mm -hmm. And I thought the show stumbled during the two seasons after he went um, and kind of fell off midway through season four. So I've heard season five is amazing, but all of the stuff that went on around the outside of the show, like um, Manny Bennett, who plays Deathstroke, Slade Wilson, kind of was like almost feuding with the Arrow production staff. Like <laughs> there was one episode where they kind of like had a character, an actor playing Deathstroke, except it wasn't him on set. It was someone else in a mask for a flashback. And he was kind of, and, and he was kind of like, this is disrespectful. This is bullshit. Um, and then apparently makes this like triumphant return at the end of season five of Arrow, like, and it's actually him. And I don't know whether the whole thing was like a ruse to just like throw fans off, but like I certainly, from the outside, as someone not watching the show, was going, "Oh well, it sounds like this. It sounds like they're recasting Deathstroke, like, or they're, or they're gonna like they're referencing the character without using Manny Bennett because everyone's fallen out." 
Manu Bennett comes back and apparently he's going to be a big part of season six and is now going to be a like an ally of Oliver again. Um, which given yeah, how... Maybe maybe they just sorted their shit out. And yeah. It happens. It, possibly. It's been known to happen. Um, apparently he's going to get a two episode flashback, like a focus on his character as part of the next season. Michael Emerson, who um, for me at least is best known as Benjamin Linus from Lost. <laughs> I uh, best know him as the, the guy in Person of Interest that I am currently watching on Netflix. Yeah. Or he could be, for some people, the guy from that first uh, Saw movie. Um, but <laughs> I, I think Michael, ben, uh, Michael Emerson's fantastic, so I don't know how much he's going to be in the new season, but that's a great piece of casting. So basically, I need to catch up on Arrow. Sounds sounds like it got real fun last year after a couple of seasons of Real Grim. so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow, neither of us are watching Legends of Tomorrow, are we, James? <laughs> no. No, so uh, last season I think Eobard Thorne was the main villain, uh, but he had like a legion of doom with him, and Damien Dark was one of those characters. Damien Dark is the one who's returning for this for the third season to be the main villain, but there's also going to be other villains around him. Uh, yeah, so uh, that's that's what's happening on Legends of Tomorrow. If you're still watching that show, great. I don't think I have the energy to catch back up with that, even though I've heard it got better. I'm basically just experiencing these shows through crossovers with The Flash and Supergirl at this point. (laughs) Um, Speaking of which, Supergirl had a trailer for its new season. Um, I am am actually watching this one. Yes, uh, me too. Although I think I'm still like two or three episodes to catch up on in the end of season two. Yeah, I haven't finished season three yet. Two. Two, yeah. Yeah, this is season three. Yeah. Um, so season three has cast Adrian Pazdar. He's going to be playing a villain, uh, Morgan Edge, who again, Adrian, Adrian Pazdar. Sorry, Adrian Pazdar. Yeah. The yeah, kiss from, of death. Uh, <laughs> from uh, fellow geek properties, heroes and agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, Carl, <laughs> Carl Lumley is playing, <laughs> Carl Lumley is playing Martian Manhunter's dad. He, he was good. He was Dixon in Alias. Oh, okay. Great. Yeah. Uh, Yale Grobglass. Uh, that should be the name of the character rather than the actor. It's uh, <laughs> another Nick Blood, Lance Hunter situation. Um, that's uh, the role of Psy. Um, so that's going to be the character in the new series. And then Emma Tremblay. I mention this only because Emma Tremblay is the sister of Jacob Tremblay, who you might remember from Room and most recently The Book of Henry. Uh, Emma Tremblay is going to be cast <laughs> as, a, as a kid called Ruby in the show. And then they've recast the role of Allura Zorel uh, because Laura Bonanti is busy next year and Erica Durance, who played Lois Lane on Smallville, is taking over that part. I... <laughs> Supergirl's quite good for, like, stunt casting, isn't it? I just... As someone who didn't really watch much Smallville beyond the first season or so, uh, like, it's either it's either Kristen Kruik or however you say her name, and it, or Tom Welling, and past that, I'm like, I don't know. I don't... Who are these people? I don't think I ever got to Lois Lane on, uh, on Smallville. <laughs> um, like, I know... I know the guy who played Green Arrow is now in This Is Us... Uh, on that show, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, they yeah they they definitely like their stunt casting of people who used to be in Superman related things. So yeah. that's continuing next year. I mean, uh, I, Jay- I watched the I watched the trailer for that and it seemed fine. It seemed like more Supergirl. So you know, as mainly what I want out of Supergirl is for them not to cross over with all the other shows because I can only keep up with one. And it, I want I actually want to watch Supergirl. 
So, did you did you watch the musical crossover though? I did not get to it yet, but oh. I'm not pl- I'm not planning to. James, it's like honestly one of the best hours of both of those shows in the last year. Isn't Supergirl basically not in it? No, that's not true. Oh, okay. That her and Barry are stuck in like a side world where they sing songs and fight gangsters. Oh, okay, maybe I will watch that then. It's utterly charming. Um, I would uh, quote the the Vanity Fair article by Joanna Robs- Ro- Joanna Robinson, which said it was like the it outdid Buffy for the TV best musical episode ever. Oh, okay, I'm oh, sorry. I was thinking of the I was thinking of that four parter. Oh yeah, no, don't watch that. You, yeah, you're fine. No. You're fine without that. Yeah, sorry. Okay. Also, best musical ever. It sounds like someone hasn't seen the Daria musical episode. <laughs> um. James, this is the point of the podcast where I'm just going to let you uh, talk at me for a couple of minutes. Riverdale (laughs) Season 2 trailer. What are we excited about? Everything. All of those characters coming back and, like, from the trailer, it looks like they've maintained the tone of the series and they've got a clear idea about what the story is going to be. They're not sort of brushing it under the carpet and just sort of returning to everything is fine. Um, Does the tra- I haven't watched it. Does the trailer address the out the fate of Archie's old fella? Yes. That sounds like his penis. His old man. That's, <laughs> his dad. Still, his yeah, father. Still sounds like that. His um, father. <laughs> how's, his, how's your father, Archie? <laughs> Yeah, he is, uh, I believe he's in a, like, it's one of those trailers that is made up of bits from the first episode. So, right, okay. they're fairly clear that he's uh, not dead yet, but probably in hospital quite ill. Oh, so he's gonna, like, he'll, he'll come around, like, episode six or seven. Yeah, and maybe deliver some cryptic lines and then die. Uh, <laughs> honestly, I, I don't think he's gonna die, but yeah. No. Uh, yeah, any, is that is that the mystery of season two then, who shot Archie's dad? Uh, it's one of them. There's also another mystery of, like, apparently someone, the shooter said something to Archie that he's not telling anyone. Oh, no, Archie, bloody hell, he's always <laughs> keeping something to himself, isn't he? Yeah, also this did series he, did... is going to be 22 episodes, so I'm super hyped for that. Holy shit. Um, how are Archie's abs looking? Uh, they don't show them, but what? I'm sure... Well, it's only a short trailer. <laughs> what kind of trailer is this? You could have just shown Archie's abs for the entire trailer, maybe Jughead's hat, and then <laughs> that would have been enough. Uh, yeah, well, I, I read somewhere that Ke- Kevin, Kevin Keller's going to get a much bigger part this season. Yeah, oh, um, I, it, like He wasn't a regular in last series, so he was a recurring. Yeah. But yeah, but he he's should. good. He's fine. Do you think we'll get Sabrina anytime soon? If we don't get Sabrina, I'm going to be very upset. The two things I want out of season two is to have... The three things I want out of season two is to have uh, Sabrina turn up as a character, for Melissa Joan Hart to do a cameo, and for Henry Winkler to turn up as Archie's granddad. (laughs) Would that make make his dad John Ralphio? I don't... That'd be a Stranger Things crossover. I don't know. I get, get very confused at that point. The Stranger uh, Things two trailer, like it's outside our remit, but that was also very good. It's like Cthulhu or whatever, isn't it? It looks yeah. it looks very Lovecraftian. Um, <laughs> that might that might be something that we we cover on the website, but maybe someone other than me who appreciates it like the internet does. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I thought I was supposed to be the one who was down on everything. 
<laughs> yeah, well, well, let's talk about something I'm... Ex- oh, there's, there's not a lot left that I'm excited about. Uh, let's talk about Fox's TV offering. Uh, they had another trailer for The Gifted. Uh, James, what did you think of this as our resident X-Men expert? This is everything that Legion isn't, in that this is a show about oh, X-Men is, that is it appears that? to be... <laughs> it's it's about x-men characters doing x-men things and mutants doing mutanty things within the x-men traditional framework and it appears to have sentinels in so basically like i know i'm probably in the minority in thinking that legion is a load of self-indulgent wank but <laughs> at the same time this like if you call a show x-men then this is you know the stuff that is in the gifted is what i want a an x-men show to be like so yeah i'm on board for it excellent any any kind of nerdy details in there that that you've spotted with your uh with your mutant (laughs) powers i was interested to see that the like i didn't know this before but the character's surname is strucker and that makes me wonder if they're going to be based on uh fenris who are the uh, children of baron von strucker we d- we definitely did talk about this, but if you've got new thoughts, you should you should definitely well. Delve I, into I just them. sort of I think those characters are probably co-owned by Fox and Marvel, and so they're sort of tying it in somehow, um, or at least leaving you with the impression that they're connected. Because yeah, I mean, well, it's this, an odd surname this... to just pull out of nowhere, isn't it? Yeah, it it's a very odd surname to just pull out of nowhere. Yeah, and, and this in, is a show that's co-produced by Marvel and Fox. Yeah, and in the comics, the Strucker twins are, like, the mutants who are children of Baron Von Strucker, who, you know, is a Hydra agent. So, some interesting stuff going on. Like, you don't choose that surname unless you've got some... Like, either they just want to imply it, or they've got some kind of plan to use the characters in that way. Like, I, you know, I don't know what they're doing, but it's the sort of thing that is not done by accident in the same yeah. way that Spider-Man's voice AI was not called Karen by accident. Like, you know, they spent a lot of time pinning that down. Did we get to, to make... the bottom of that? Why was it Karen? Well, no, I think it was Karen because they specifically needed a name that didn't mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> like, they didn't just pick a random name out of nowhere but this like they would but, have, they would have spent time deliberating over what it meant and what you know whether they could use it but they wouldn't have like picked out the name pepper from nowhere would they like that would have, they would have been, that would have been conspicuous if they'd have done yeah. that in the same way that picking strucker seems conspicuous as well yeah and it does seem like of of the x-men stuff this is the one that that feels like it might be tied into the movie so it, it could be if it's successful enough it could be the or at the very least, could be the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. of the X-Men universe. Yeah, unlike Legion, which is clearly off in its own dream world, like pseudo-60s present-day reality, Yeah, that was never going to be part of the same continuity as the movies. This feels yeah. like it could be on the fringes. Um, yeah. And like the important thing for me is that it's got actual X-Men characters in. Like, if this, if this had just been a side story about all new characters with an X-Men framework, I'd have been like, well, okay, but fair enough, but that's Mutant X. But mm. this has, it's got Blink and Thunderbird and Polaris. Um, and a character called Eclipse, who I think is all new. Right. 
but having having named characters instantly makes me about a million times more interested in watching it than Legion, which had uh, a version of Legion who didn't resemble the t- comics version in any noticeable way. Yeah. Okay, uh, well, we'll move on finally then. Uh, the last stuff to come out of Comic-Con, which was the Marvel TV panel. Um, so I don't know whether Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was there, but I heard nothing. Uh, that's been pushed, <laughs> I think that's been pushed back to mid-season anyway, so it makes sense yes. that they weren't there. Um, so it was mostly about the Netflix stuff, uh, but first we'll get out of the way in Humans, which so after all of the footage kind of underwhelming they then released a new trailer i think the trailer might have even been released slightly before comic-con but it was like medusa's hair had been animated and you were like oh wow that looked bad when it wasn't moving it looks terrible now um (laughs) we've seen lockjaw now which actually looks decent i would say it's the one thing that i've gone oh yeah okay i mean that looks like lockjaw yeah that looks fine um, but it's just that all of the characters don't look fine. I mean, like, even people that I like in other stuff, like Ken Leong looks like he's sleepwalking through what I've seen. Um, the guy, uh, Ewan Rian from Game of Thrones and Misfits, as Maximus looks like he's doing kind of like... <laughs> like community theatre version of Ramsey Bolton. Um, <laughs> Anson Mount's costume looks terrible on him. Um, and, like, it just looks like a really ugly show. And this is the show that they're putting on IMAX. Like, it's... I think they just never let go of the idea that this was going to be a cinematic thing, did they? But then, like, so I was listening to the uh, ever-excellent Empire podcast from Comic-Con, and they were talking to uh, Jeff Loeb and Scott Buck, who is the showrunner, who also was the showrunner on season <laughs> one of Iron Fist, um, and uh, and also the director. And so I'm just going to look up the name of the director here. Uh, Roel Reiner, uh, who's... Uh, he is a Los Angeles-based Dutch filmmaker, Um and you wouldn't really make reco- Does he make he, Dutch films? He makes straight-to-DVD sequels, it looks like. Death Race 2, The Scorpion King 3, Battle for Redemption. Death Race 3, Inferno. <laughs> 12 Rounds 2, Reloaded. Death, Dead in Tombstone. Uh, the, the Condemned 2, The Man with Iron Fists 2, Hard Target <laughs> 2. Like, I don't know who this... Do- <laughs> but he was talking... And, like, he'd ne- he was talking on the Empire podcast about how he'd never directed with IMAX cameras before... Well, why have you pulled this guy out of nowhere to do your Inhumans pilot then? Like, is there some kind of contractual obligation somewhere in Marvel that they have to make a mar- they have to make an Inhumans thing? And at this point, it's just like, just make it shit. Like, yeah. let's just, just make ma- it cheap and get it out there. Yeah, but I so because I do, I really don't understand that this IMAX thing sounds like like it's going to be a disaster. And this first episode screened on a like pop-up IMAX screen at Comic-Con and apparently the room was filled with laughter start to finish and not at what was happening in the show at at the show I mean Marvel's whole corporate strategy for the last few years has been like let's give the people what they don't want and that's Inhumans by the bucket load but the comics are moving away from that right yeah well they finally admitted that it doesn't work and like kind of you don't really get a choice because if people aren't buying the comics you can't keep selling them so, yeah, they've dialed it down quite a lot. I just think, thank goodness, they haven't, like, 
tried to pull in like Miss Marvel into this and used yeah. her as you know kind of like Squirrel Girl and New Warriors. Let's use that this character that people really enjoy to prop up the show. Mm-hmm. It would have been a tragedy if Miss Marvel had been pulled into this as kind of like the one successful Inhuman. Yeah, I mean she's got nothing to do really with the Inhumans royal family, so it would have been hard enough at the best of times to make that work. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that looks that looks real bad. Um, and let's <laughs> let's 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 get some other stuff out of the way that looks bad before we think we can finish on somewhat of a higher note. Um, Iron Iron Fist season two has got a new showrunner, so Scott Buck's not returning to that. Um, it's Raven Metzner who most recently worked on Sleepy Hollow, which was a decent show for the first couple of seasons before it uh, started recasting and or. F- messing around with its cast and fired Nicole Beharie who was fantastic um, so yeah that's that's kind of encouraging then you find out that he also wrote the screenplay for Electra. yeah and there's no kind of that's a, that's a screenplay that had a solo writing credit on it so uh, <laughs> uh, Raven Metzner is showrunning Iron Fist season 2 um, interestingly Misty Knight will be part of the cast for that show so it sounds like we're getting the Daughters of the Dragon stuff in there yeah Um, I mean that sort of makes me slightly excited the problem with Iron Fist isn't just that the showrunner was bad is it like it's that Finn Jones is also quite bad yeah okay so anything they can do to de-emphasize Finn Jones is probably going to (laughs) help we'll use that as a good way to transition into the Defenders because the Defenders you know we're running a a few weeks away from that now it feels like it feels like again the hype for the Defenders isn't as big as I was imagining it being. I like. I, I feel like the hype for Daredevil season two was bigger than this. You I mean, know, I, punish, I've been waiting. I've been waiting to hear what the Defenders two junket is because last for Iron Fist, I got a free holiday to New York. So <laughs> this, so so this far, you get a free holiday no to a hole in the middle of Manhattan. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I don't know what they're doing, but it seems like they're keeping it quite low key. Yeah, like, so it's un- this, this seems like their big push, and then after that, maybe we'll get some phoners or something. I don't know, but it's it's only eight episodes compared to the thirteen normally, which is encouraging. Um, the <laughs> thing that's the thing that's not encouraging is it was the first episode was shown at Comic Con, and apparently the defenders don't meet during the first episode. Oh God, I know. God, I was just come on you guys uh subsequently there have been some reviews published that i've seen that says that kind of like the chemistry between the four characters makes up for the slow start um which okay fair enough and actually the trailer looks pretty good like uh, i can watch Kristen ritter's jessica jones kind of like make little digs at the other characters all day like that (laughs) that stuff works every time they show it in the trailer um I like that Matt Murdock is kind of looking like the punching bag of, of the group. Like, <laughs> maybe even more so than Iron Fist, but maybe just because they haven't really shown Iron Fist talking much in the trailers. <laughs> that was something else that the review stated that was, like, in the first episode, it starts off with Iron Fist. Oh, because, God. Because it has to start off with, like, the hand stuff from the end of season one of the Iron Fist. And that basically it's like then Danny coming back to New York like shit the hand they're at large things Gunland's being taken down what do we do and then like the team gets assembled in the second episode but apparently Danny does some fighting in the first episode and it's not a huge amount better than it was in 
Well, they shot Iron it Fist. back to back, didn't they? So he would have gone yeah. straight from Iron Fist to Defenders. Yeah, but you would have hoped that maybe like the people working on the Defenders would have planned out sequences a little bit better or whatever, yeah. and maybe tried to find a way around it. But I'm not going apparently, apparently to let the inclusion of Iron Fist upset my excitement to see uh, Charlie Cox being Daredevil. Yeah, and I'll tell you what I'm most excited about from this trailer. It's it's Sigourney Weaver, man. Sigourney Weaver is, <laughs> a, 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 like, she's a goddess. And, like, I think we forget, because we don't see enough of her anymore, but I think we forget that she isn't just this, like, nerd genre film icon from the Alien movies. She is a really, really great actress. She was Oscar-nominated for Aliens, like, to be Oscar-nominated for a film like Aliens, you have to be pretty fucking good. And Sigourney Weaver is that good. And uh, there was a clip released online of her chatting with Madame Gao on a bench in Central Park, and I was just like, yes, yes, <laughs> this is... That looks like this a This is villain. the Sigourney Weaver of Working Girl. <laughs> I just... I, I want... I want to see the Defenders go up against her. I Like... For all of the problems I've had with some of the pacing of the uh, individual Netflix series and for all of the way that I think they kind of tend to tail off a bit in their second half. This is only an eight episode <laughs> season, so there's less opportunity to tail off. Especially that, if you, right, it will tail off really quickly. You know, if it's going to start slow, it's gonna, it best not tail off. <laughs> so, um, And yeah, it looks like it's Sigourney Weaver using Electra as a weapon to fight against the Defenders. Um, and, yeah, I like Luke Cage, I like Jessica Jones, I like Daredevil, I like Sigourney Weaver. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm now getting a little bit hyped for this show. Um, and I, I can only imagine that, you know, the only way is up for Danny Rand's... <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's let's yeah. let's see what the defenders I mean, does. And since since we last talked about this, I think I've watched Don't Trust the Bean Apartment in Twenty Three. Right. And okay. So Which I on, finally on Netflix, feel like right? I, yeah, I finally feel like I understand Kristen Ritter. Yeah, she's Which is that uh, she's an incredibly gifted comic actress who was given some really shit scripts in Jessica Jones. Uh, I don't think I don't think Jessica Jones is terrible start to finish. I think we, we no, are... Jessica, the first half pretty... of Jessica Jones is great, and then it goes, yeah. like, schizophrenically bad. Uh, but I don't, think, I don't think she was ever bad in it, either. Even when, uh, even when the plot gets silly, I don't think she ever got bad. But, like, Kristen Ritter is funny, and giving her the role of, like, the one-liner spouting, like, exasperated character in this dynamic definitely plays to Kristen Ritter's strengths. Mm. I'm just thinking what I should uh, point you in the direction of next for more good Kristen Ritter. Uh, she has a she has a great arc in Veronica Mars, which she must be right up your alley. Yeah, I mean, I think I was slightly too old for Veronica Mars, Veronica Mars when it came. Like out. you're watching Riverdale now. Go back and watch Veronica <laughs> Mars. Veronica Mars season one is is the like a good version of Riverdale. Okay. It's, uh, it's it's really great, James. The first season, it's the first season particularly, of Veronica Mars is fantastic. Okay. Uh, she's she's good in Gilmore Girls. Um, she, uh, fantastic in Breaking Bad, season two of Breaking Bad. Um, if you if you're going to watch that, um, and uh, I, I think the movies have tended to do her wrong, but uh, yeah, love me some Kristen Ritter. So uh, 
Yeah, that is The Defenders. And James, I think that is San Diego Comic-Con 2017, all of the news that came out of it. And it only took us two hours. Yeah, wow. Um, what's, uh, you know, you can only watch one thing. There's only one one of these things that you can watch next year. Um, the, like, the only thing I'm watching now is the Thor 3 trailer. Yeah, that that I think was my single favorite thing that came out of Comic Con. Uh, like yeah, the like the previous the Thor trailer, I I watched basically every morning. It was like get up, brush my teeth, get dressed, watch the Thor three trailer. <laughs> uh, I see. I see no reason for that not to continue with this one. I think it's better. I think it's better than the first one. I mean, I I miss uh, not having immigrant song on it. But at the same time, that prog rock soundtrack is incredible, and I can if, only hope that's the actual soundtrack of the film. It feels like it could be because it's Mark Mothersbaugh, and he does that. That sounds like the kind of stuff he would do. Um, I also, I don't think I mentioned Tessa Thompson earlier. Tessa Thompson looks great. I'm I so mean, the excited. Thing, the thing that really I love is that it has all that crazy stuff, and it looks fun. But also, when they have those like scenes of the Valkyrie fighting Hela, like oh. it. It looks like a Renaissance painting brought to life, and it is stunning. Oh, and the the lightning Thor. Oh, yep. looks great. I'm excited. Like, okay, we agree. Thor Ragnarok wins <laughs> Comic Con 2017. Yeah. Inform the internet. James and I have decided what won Comic Con. <laughs> so that that's in the bag. <laughs> I wonder if they released any information about comics at this Comic Con. Uh, it, unlikely and unimportant. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, uh, that's it for this, this week's show. So don't forget that our next episode will be on the Amazing Spider-Man Two. If you want to watch that, um, if you want to watch that film with a live commentary where James rings a bell every time something terrible happens during the film, then uh, subscribe back our Patreon and you'll get access to that exclusive commentary that James has put online. <laughs> I am listening to it without the commentary because I do not want to uh, have my opinions marred by James in advance. Because <laughs> what if what if I thought something was good and he rung a bell, or what if I hated something and he didn't ring the bell? I'd go, I'd, I'd doubt myself, and so I'm not going to do that. But if you'd like to. Definitely back us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe, um, and you can listen to that. And if you're a backer already, just get on there and download it. You can just listen to it without watching the film, just James ringing a bell. Yep. You talk oh, on there as well, don't you, James? A little bit, yeah. It's very tongue in cheek. <laughs> um, so if you're enjoying the show, please just subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Player FM, or your podcast app of choice. Um, you can find more episodes of the show at cinematicuniverse.com, and you can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter at cine underscore verse. Or send us an email to editorial at cinematicuniverse.com. Carry a pigeon, like, telegraph. <laughs> As I said, Jared Leto, holographic rat. <laughs> um, <laughs> thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. <laughs>